will be reading from the complete Jewish Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. So don't be foolish, but try to understand what the will of the Lord is. Shabbat shalom. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas, New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, yeah. And I did say Kwanzaa. Who was that? Joe last week said, Happy Boxing Day. He's being smart, Alec. I know that. But uh, Joe, Joe Levitt. So, you, you know, those kind of greetings, I'm sure we've gotten those in the last few weeks. I'd love to get a nickel for every one of those I got at every store. It's such a, you know, Happy New Year, Happy Holiday. You ready for the holiday? What's it matter? It's coming kind of stuff. <laughs> I, love, I love that love that joke. As if, well, no, hold on. Let me just, you know, let me hold off. Let me stop the clock here. I'll talk about that a little bit today because that's one of the things that's talked about in this passage today is time. And I think it's very important for us to consider time. But uh, this, uh, this section of, of actually the, really the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> and certainly narrowed down to this section here, um, is a bit of a how-to. So if you think about it, if you have gotten something for the holidays or something new to you, um, often comes with um, an instruction manual or what have you. So there's lots of how-to kind of stuff going on. Um, and this is sort of the same way, this, this book of Ephesians. It's, a, it's one of those, you know, Chaim in the past has talked about we think that some, some have the impression the Old Testament is all about laws and restrictions and how to do this and how to do that and commandment after commandment after commandment. And the reality is when we look into the New Testament scriptures as well, there's just as many, if not more, commandments and things to do. And this book, it's a short book. You can read this book from cover to cover several times, the book of Ephesians here. Uh, you can read it several times, kind of in short order. Um, it's a how-to book, and it couples the the how-to, uh, along with really the, the basis of the how-to, is the why-to. I could teach you, you know, hey, um, come here, Phil, I need to show you how to jump this, you know, don't worry, how to jump this six-foot section right here. I think you can do it. You know, I need, need to show you, how, you know, how to jump. And you might say, well, sure, I know how, well, why? Well, because there's a fire raging in this direction. You better jump over. The point is there's got to be a, a why-to in order to know the how-to, or to put the how-to into practice. And there's a large um, impetus behind what Paul is imparting in this letter. The kind of the why-to is he goes on in great detail, and it's very theological, but also real practical. He says, look, these are all of the things that uh, the Lord has done for him as he's... Uh, as he's going on, he's saying, these are the things the Lord has done for me. These are the things that you guys know. These are the things that have been transmitted to you as well. These things about the Lord, the things about my story, what God has done for you, what God through Yeshua the Messiah has done for you. And he's telling this to the Ephesians. Um, some people think that the letter is a little more generic than that, actually. There's evidence that the word, the Ephesians, to the Ephesians was actually not in all the manuscripts. So the point being is that it's more of a general letter to people beyond this group, um, and I think, therefore, we can take it uh, for ourselves as well. But he's, he's telling them all this stuff 
saying that this is how God brought me to know the Messiah. This is what you already know. And therefore, what he says, the immediate context here in chapter 4, if you look at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, meaning because of all this stuff I've told you about myself and my calling and what I'm doing because of what God's done for me, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And that's kind of the the reason I consider this a a how-to book, because what he's telling is he's talking about how to lead a life. Your translation might say walk, and the reality is that word walk is repeated multiple times throughout this book. And when you see the word walk in this kind of context, you know, um, you often don't see it written as walk. You see it written this way, like leading a life, okay, leading a life. You see in chapter 2, you see it twice in chapter 4, and about three times in chapter 5. And so if, if your translation says walk, don't think about you know, this a physical one foot behind the other, um, because maybe you walk differently. Maybe you will hop two feet and then take a step and then hop this way and, and then walk back. The point is, it has to do with leading your life, that when you go about, however that is you go about, doing somersaults or cartwheels or whatever, as you go about your life, And as you go about your business of living, this is how you are to do it. And he talks about different themes there. He's talking about, look, uh, this is what the Messiah has done for me. What we should do is mimic him. We talked, remember, a couple weeks back, I told you, hey, how many of y'all know somebody? And is this a person that you respect? Would you do every single thing they say? But that's really what the idea of commandments are about, and we're called to do exactly what God says, to act just like him. He says it here again um, in chapter 4. It's you're to mimic, actually mimic uh, these things that you know, mimic the way that God, God acts, the way that God, the example he has set uh, for you. He talks about that. He talks about walking in the light. Rabbi Chaim spoke about that a few weeks ago in First John. The idea is well, another way to walk is to walk in the light. And what does that mean? He talks about it here as well, walking in the light in, in, the, in the sense of walking in the light, but also that you're, you're illuminating things as you do that. And when something becomes illuminated... As, as, as you are, once you, you know the Lord and walk with the Lord, you also then start illuminating other things. He talks about walking in love. And then here, um, in this section, there's, there's several things that we're going to talk about under that overarching theme of leading a life or walking, a few aspects. And these are the, these are the, the specific things we're going to talk about, that these verses are talking about. Number one is uh, walking carefully. And walking with, part of that is walking with wisdom. So what, what kind of that means, looking at what that means to be careful and why we would walk carefully and, and walking with wisdom. And the second thing is how we view time. You must spend a decent amount of time on time. Specifically, that, that stuck with me this week when I read this passage because it is New Year's. And I'll get into that a little bit. And I think because we talk about New Year's, this idea of time comes up a lot. So I want to explore that a little bit. So specifically walking, walking carefully with wisdom, how we view time, and then at the end of that, how uh, we are to keep God's will in mind. Okay, so walking carefully, time, wisdom, and God's will. So let's go back through these verses. If you have your Bible, I'm pretty much going to be just staying in Ephesians chapter 5 here, or in the book of Ephesians in general, maybe a couple other places. But we're going to start off here in Ephesians 5 uh, in verse 15. If you want to flip there, tune there, thumb there, slide there, swipe there. 
or for those that haven't memorized, just to bring it up. So 5.15 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Uh, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. That first section, be careful then how you live. Again, this is that idea of walking. Literally, it says, uh, for the Southerners in here, it says, y'all, y'all look, walk carefully. Or y'all look carefully where you walk. That's what it says, or how you walk, not where, how, how you walk. Um, Look carefully how you walk. Speaking about a mission, you know, I have a particular mission. Uh, If you've had children or been around children, there are certain milestones that, that kids go through. One of the milestones, very important, not to embarrass anyone in here today, but we've all been through this milestone. Hopefully, we're all past this milestone, which is uh, using the restroom, okay, on your own. Um, Going to the bathroom by yourself. Big milestone, believe me, in the life of a parent. You want that to happen pretty quick. Um, And that's all great, but a bigger milestone than that is the nighttime, passage of nighttime using the restroom, you know, because we can train for the day, but then there's that that milestone of making it through the night. And um, when that happens at our house, part of that, part of that process uh, uh, falls to me. And what that involves is the mission is to go into the bedroom and pull a child or two out in, the, in a certain time of the night. And they're usually, you know, they're usually like a sack of potatoes and they're dead to the world and you have no confidence they were going to get up on their own to go to the restroom. So i got to go in. The mission is to go in, get them out, Take them to the restroom, bring them back, okay? And that's, that's a process, and that goes on, it goes on for a while. You know, just there's no real, I mean, at some point it does stop, you know, uh, but it goes on for a while. And you might think, okay, it's not a big deal. You walk in, you pick them up. Well, here, here's the situation. Pitch black room. Now, some of y'all know, we, we, pretty much all our kids are in one space, in one room. So I want to go in in such a way, the mission is to go into such a way that I'm not waking anyone else up. I'm getting in and out, putting them back without disturbing anybody. Maybe that doesn't sound too difficult. <laughs> pitch black room. Michael's like, no big deal. Lights are overrated, he says. But pitch black, <laughs> he does. He says that, but, but he'll even agree with this one. Pitch black kids' room. Strewn with toys. Trying to be quiet. Anyone ever step on a Lego when they're barefoot? Okay. It's like, it is like a minefield. You step on that, and then you shift your weight. And try to quickly get another step, and then you step on a Barbie head or something else. <laughs> and it can be very quickly a real problem. So to get this mission done properly, you've got to walk carefully, and you kind of shuffle, and you've got to take care as you walk uh, in doing that. And that's kind of the picture here that the text is describing, this careful kind of walking. Why is that? Because I think it's important to consider that because I think as believers... Those of us who, who follow the Lord, who follow Yeshua, I think we tend to, t- tend to walk. When we think of our, our spiritual walk. I think there's a, there's a tendency to, to kind of walk like Forrest Gump, you know? You just sort of, hey, you know, God's with me and he's on my side. Nothing, nothing against, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Everything I do, God's right here. I'm doing his work. Therefore, I can just walk right across the battlefield. Bullets flying by, no problem. God's got, God's got it, you know. God's going to block all those, all those bullets and so forth. And we tend to just kind of have this, I think, this carefree attitude about how we walk. And we're not um, walking carefully necessarily. Not expecting to have any problems. But it's just not true. Otherwise, I don't think Paul would spend his time here telling his audience and us to 
very specifically, these are, these are commands here to watch out. Y'all look and, and be careful how you walk. Walk carefully. And in verse 16, to move ahead a little bit, tells us why. Why is that important? If you look at verse 16 there, it says, um, at the end of that at least, it says, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. Now, the Greek here is a little tricky and nuanced, so I'm going to give you a, a literal translation, okay? It says, because the days are evil. It's kind of a joke. It's exactly what it says. It's very clear. Because the days are evil. There's no guesswork there. Um, can anybody relate to that? Are the days evil? Are the days we live in evil? And the fact is, you know, that evil is not just something that's out there. I think we think, oh, man, like it's, we talk about Mashiach. It's crazy out there. It's evil out there. The world is crazy, you know? The fact that it's mentioned here in the text and the fact that I'm talking about it and the fact that Paul's talking about it is that it's something that's contagious and it's something that if we're not careful with, it can stick to us and cause us to stumble, to step on one of those Legos in the dark. Worse yet, it can cause you to become that Lego sitting in the dark. You ever thought of yourself as a Lego in the dark, getting ready to be stepped on? But that's what can happen. This is part of the larger instructions that, that Paul is giving throughout this letter, specifically with regard to how to be wise and not unwise. So I want to read a few other sections from Ephesians here to kind of, kind of give you that bigger context of why he's saying, walk carefully because the days are evil. And it's not just a matter of watching out for stepping on Legos, but for you to be the Lego yourself. Ephesians 2. You flip over there and read. It's a small book. You can just flip back a few pages or one. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3 says... You were dead through trespasses and sins in which you once lived or walked, same word there again, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient, i.e., the, the deceiver, the enemy, Hasatan, the devil, a true legitimate en uh, enemy that he describes here in, in two little phrases. So you were dead through sins and trespasses following the ruler of the power of the air. All of us once lived among them, in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Skipping forward to Ephesians 4, uh, 17 to 19, right before what we read today. It says, Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord, that you must no longer live, or walk, as the nations live, walk, in the futility of their minds. So it says, no longer do that. That idea of futility of your minds means not living in an empty or a, like a non-permanent, kind of a transitional kind of way, a transitory way, something that's short-lived, temporary, something without purpose. He says, don't live that way anymore. You must no longer live that way anymore. So these two sections here, just two, two small examples where, where Paul is talking about this is the way the unwise or the un... This, is the, the, well, this would be the opposite of what we're being encouraged to do in, the, in what was read in terms of being careful. This would be the unwise or uncareful way to walk, to just, not, just ignore these old ways, the ways that other people live around us, because we're, we're not isolated. The reality is, is that we're not isolated. And these are the examples of, of the unwise or uncareful way to walk. Now, on the flip side, Ephesians 4.20 through 24 says this. It says that meaning those other ways. That's not the way you learned the Messiah. It says, For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth in Yeshua, as truth is in Yeshua. 
You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts. And that's some pretty strong stuff there to consider. You don't consider yourself corrupt or deluded, but it's about your old life, your old self, your old flesh. And he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, back in 2014, um, some of you are here, actually, ironically, I, I was scheduled to speak on New Year's as well, and I gave a, a message about not making New Year's resolutions, but new life resolutions. This is, this is the same idea that Paul's hammering home. This is about a new life. It's not, okay, New Year, new chances to take myself into the New Year. No, it's a new, new life resolutions is what he's talking about here. He's saying that you, you were like this, but now you're like this, therefore you need to act like it. Don't revert and slip back into those old ways. Be careful. Be careful. Lots made about this idea of being careful. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. I want to have a decent amount of scripture here. Just I think scripture is more important than stuff I have to say probably. Uh, Ephesians 5, 8 through 11 says, For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. He says that you expose them when you're light. This is not, um, not by you know, pointing your finger, pointing, ah, I got light, like a you know, laser beam or the lightsaber. You can illuminate you know, the things that are wrong. The point is the, the, the light itself um, is the thing that points things out. You know? it's, not, it's not us pointing our finger, but being the light itself, it'll simply happen. Over time, as you walk, uh, the light in which you walk exposes things uh, for yourself to see and for other people to see. It kind of makes things a little more obvious. So, remember, does this first little section, remember to walk or to live carefully. Walk or to live carefully. Don't just be haphazard, assuming you're protected, everything's good, but watch out for those, those Legos in the dark. Watch out for becoming those Legos in the dark. Uh, it's essential. It's essential to what God's talking about here in this first section of being wise and being pleasing to the Lord. I'm sure all of us would rather be wise than, than the opposite. And it takes some effort. It takes some effort of being careful how you step. So continuing on, it says, walk carefully, being wise, not unwise. And then it says, making the most of the time. Making the most of the time. And this is the part that really drew me into this passage this week because, because time. Again, I think that um, time is just, one of these, it's really a consuming thing for us, isn't it? Time, 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 time. And especially when we talk about New Year's, we think about a new slate of time, new opportunities, new time, more time. Uh, you know, it's part of our conversation all the time, right? We say, how was, how was your day today? How was your week today? Or how things go for you this, this past year at work? And our, our mind automatically goes to, okay, what, what, how do we use our time? Did my inbox get smaller today than yesterday? No, my in got, inbox got bigger. I got more things on my to-do list. So, no, my day didn't go well. But you know what? Tomorrow, man, I got, I'm on a fresh day at work. I'm going to close my office door, and I'm going to get more stuff done so I can hopefully then say, hey, time worked out better this year. I'm going to make better use of time tomorrow. Or I'm gonna, I've got some things to do at home. I'm going to take, take off early today. I'm going to take a little bit of vacation time, right, and get caught up on some, some stuff, get the housework done, get the car fixed, whatever it is, you know. 
everything in our life kind of revolves around this idea of time. So when we read this idea about taking advantage of time, I imagine our mind goes a lot of different places. Because well, we have work time, we have family time, then we got us time, we got me time, right? We got vacation time, paid time off. Some of you have kids, put them in time out, right? <laughs> everything is about time. And again, we think about, that, that's kind of how, we, how we, uh, we think about time is just something that, like I joked about at the beginning, you're ready for the holidays? Well, it doesn't matter much, does it? It's coming, right? You know, we, we, just, we, we think about time that just keeps on going, and we have to somehow get a hold of it. We have to somehow make the most of it, and that's what this, pat, that's what this is talking about. I don't think so. But that's how our New Year's resolutions tend to be, you know, fresh slate of time and so forth. But if that's how we operate, all about this idea of how we can manipulate time to our advantage, um, I think it gets a bit depressing, you know, because if you're, you know, even if you're a young man like this gentleman here or this gentleman, these, you realize, oh, my gosh, another December 31st, you know. And all those, it's another morning. Well, I thought I was going to have, a, you know, a new morning this morning to get things done. Just another morning, another morning after another morning, another new year after another new year. And, and you realize that, you know, while you may have done better here and there, maybe did a little better use of your time here and there, overall, time still seems to escape you. The answer is not grabbing it and figuring out and restructuring it and all that kind of stuff. That's not really the answer. You still get yourself caught up looking for that three-day you know, weekend or the spring break. So you can get that paper done that's due after spring break or whatever it is um, where you can get back on top of things and so forth. And I bring all this up again because, and you could have a lot of other examples, I'm sure, but the reason I bring this up is because, do you know, the Bible really does not talk about time in this manner when you read the Bible. There are words, there are biblical words for some of the, the general time things like, like day, there are specific words that mean day, and there are specific words that mean hour, or specific words that mean month, or specific words that mean year. But when you see time in your Bible, you know there's a, lot, there's a few words for time, actually, but they're usually in your English always just translated as time. Did you know that? There's a couple different words. I want to I go over a few of those words, because that's really more, or le- that's really more how the Bible and God, because God's outside of time. So when we try to bring our ideas of time, and when this passage here says, make most use of your time, immediately, you know, those of us who are very organized, I have my day timer, I want to categorize this as an A1 level thing, and this would be a B, you know, you do, you know that's, that's not what's going on here. The Bible and God don't, they're not operating on the same time frame that we are. Um, there's two main words I'm going to go over, and I'm going to go over, just tell you the, the Greek ones, they're Hebrew equivalents, but we're here in, in the New Testament, so they're Greek. But there's two words, one's called chronos, or chronos, chronos time, and the other one's called kairos. Kronos is, you may recognize, that sounds familiar. It's like where we get the word for watch, you know, chronograph. It's that time, you know, there's just the revolving, the stream of time. It's like our clock time. It ticks away in our life for all of us the same. Don't say you need more time. I wish I had more time. We all have the same amount of time. It's that time that just goes around and around, and it stops when we stop, when our heart stops beating and we stop breathing. That, that, that's that time, the stream of time. Then there's that other time, the, 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 the Kairos time. And that is, that's the time that's really talked a lot more about in the Bible. That's actually the one that's right here uh, in verse 16 for sure. And this is, this is a point of time or a point in time, an event or a moment, uh, a critical situation or an opportunity. It's translated a lot of different ways. It can, have a, it can have an element of being in the right space, for example. That was the right time or a time could be a good time or a bad time or the opportune time. And the correct time or the God-ordained time, it's very important. These are, these are the moments that, that God puts in place or the opportunities that come up. All within 
They all happen within that chronos time, but those are the specific times that are being talked about here. So verse 16, when it talks about time, again, it's, it's kairos. In fact, some of your translations might even have something more than just the word time. It might just not say redeeming the time. It might say making the most of every opportunity. It might not even have the word time there at all because that is the idea, is that it is not just clock time, it's uh, opportunity. So here in verse 16, or is it 16? Yeah, looking at it again, it says, making the most of time. And again, around that we've seen being careful because the days are evil. So we need to make the most of the time. That idea of making the most of, does anyone, what, what, else, what, are the, what other translations do you have making the most of? Anyone have any? Redeeming? Anything else? All you have? I was going to ask on the carefully part too. Some people have circumspectly, but I don't want to tell you all to walk circumspectly because you might think, is it like in a circle? I don't know what that is. I, I had to look that one up. So anyways, but redeeming, making the most of. Uh, the word here is uh, probably a word some of you guys are familiar with. You ever heard of the agora before? This is a word that comes from the agora, which is like the civic center of life at that time or the marketplace. Think about the, a bazaar, you know, where all the, you're buying uh, shawls and baskets and all kinds of stuff and a lot of bargaining and stuff going on. So we get this picture of, you know, of the after the holiday sales, you know, going in and, and, and looking for those half-price deals and those bargains in the Agora, the, the half-price, uh, you know, uh, Valentine candy boxes. You know, tell the guys that they're half-priced after Valentine's Day and your wife or girlfriend might appreciate that. The, the dozen roses, the, the wrapping paper at Christmas, half-price. You want to snatch it up. That's the picture of those opportunities being snatched up here uh, in the Agora. But notice the verse again. Um, Again, it's very plain in that language. It says to, to do that, that picture of the bargains in, 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 the, in the marketplace and so forth. Do that with regard to time, but not time in the clock sense, time in this kairos sense, this other sense of opportunities that are placed before you. Now, I don't typically uh, make a big deal about articles, articles being the words the, you know, the word the, fancy word for it is article. Um, sometimes articles mean something, sometimes they don't. I think it's important here because Again, when we think about make the most of your time, it's my, what I'm, how to make the most of my time. Well, it's not what it says here. It says, how to make, it says making the most, getting the opportunity of the time, the kairos, the God events. Not the most of the clock time or your clock time, but most of the opportunities and the events. Okay? We need to understand that um, the Lord controls all of those kind of opportunities. It's not a matter, you know, we, we think of making opportunities for ourselves and taking advantage of opportunities. Somehow we're really in control of that when really God is the one that has the opportunities. They're his opportunities. They're his situations. Make the most of the situations, the kairos, not yours necessarily. And I think when we think about New Year's resolutions and everything, I want us to switch from our, our thinking about chronos or the passing of time to really consider these, these moments, these kairos moments, these God-appointed moments, and the things that lead up to them. That's what it means to make the most of the time. And that's what it means uh, to be wise. Those are the bargains that you're looking for when it talks about redeeming or making the most of these opportunities. Uh, it's these, these kind of God moments. Did you know there are, like, spiritual bargains? I mean, uh, believe me, I get excited about... I mean, I'm Jewish, and you know we get excited about, you know, bargains. And there are, bar- there are bargains. 
And we talk about them forever, and, and the Proverbs talks about that too, how we talk about, oh, it was such a terrible product, and then we brag about how the deal we got on it later. That's not just, that's not just, pro- I told you, my dad buys stuff just to have it and to look at prices later on and say, I got that for that much, and I don't even use mine. I still have it, but I bought it for a cheaper price. So the point is, bargains, bargains are important for, for us. But did you know that there are actually are spiritual bargains, spiritual opportunities? This picture of the agora, taking advantage of the opportunities uh, in the marketplace, there are spiritual ones too, and I think we can miss those. Because often they're actually in conflict with the clock time, you know? When I was uh, in graduate school here, I um, was very focused on clock time, <laughs> you know? Had assignments, and some of you guys in school, you understand, you're, you're, you're busy, and you don't have to admit if you've ever done this, are you? but I, I would actually... I would hide in the library sometimes. I mean, I would make sure I get in a spot where my typical friends and classmates didn't know where I was going to be. I didn't have time to talk to them. I don't have time to help you with your project. No, I don't want to do the translation together. I want to do it on my own. You know, leave me alone. But, you know, I'm in seminary, so I can't talk that way. Like, you know, hey, <laughs> praise the Lord. How are you? You know. So I would just hide, right? Like, like Gideon in a wine press or something. So I would do that so I could make the most of my chronos, you know? Well, there was a guy in seminary that... Uh, Ended up sort of finding me on a regular basis, and uh, a foreign student, and uh, he, he, he was very hardworking, smart, English wasn't very good, and so I ended up, you know, editing a lot of documents for him, and uh, he hired me out to other Korean friends and things, and so, <laughs> but I got to be really good friends with this guy and his family, his wife just became very dear friends, and it became a, a time when I realized, you know what? This, uh, you know, and he actually went on to get an advanced degree in another, another seminary beyond that, and he's going back to Korea. Who knows what he's going to do? Who knows what things are going to be done through the work he does uh, back there in, in South Korea? And looking at that, I realized, you know what? That was a, those were Kairos moments for me, and they certainly did not match up with my, you know, my time. It wasn't, if you looked at it on the outside, like, how is it making the most of my time to edit his paper when I've got my paper to do, you know? It's not making the most of my time. But in a sense, it was uh, a spiritual bargain for me, you know? And there are bargains. There are bargains for all of us out there. My question would be, what, for you to consider, you know, what, what opportunities might you be missing in your life right now? You know, what things are coming your way that might seem like hindrances to your, your chronos time, your clock time? Uh, and I'm not saying to be irresponsible and all that kind of stuff, but what, what things maybe are you missing that are actually are opportunities of time in the sense of opportunities uh, that you're missing, that's maybe causing you to be uh, unwise or ignoring or missing God's will. And that's really a loaded question because that's kind of how this, this section is, uh, concludes here, leading into verse 17. It says, don't be foolish, okay? Don't be foolish. We've talked about why not to be foolish. What's being foolish? Foolish is not walking carefully. Foolish is maybe getting sucked into the things of the world. Being foolish is ignoring opportunities that God's putting in your life, even when they might be in the way of the stream of your laid-out schedule. And then he says, don't be foolish because of all that, but also understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord. I think that's a, it's important. It's a loaded question because we could spend a lot of time figuring that out, trying to decide what is God's will, you know? We talk about that so much. I want to be in God's will. And if I could just figure out God's will, Lord, please show me your will. You know, this kind of stuff. It happens a lot. Um, But when it comes right down to it, not to oversimplify it, but I do think that God's will is really not as difficult as we make it out to be. And here's the reason. And maybe I'm fast-forwarding a bit. I think the reason is, is that the truth is we're not, when we're asking about God's will, we're often really not asking about God's will. We're really just asking God to help us with 
making our decisions. You know, what is, your, what is your will, Lord? Should I buy this or should I buy that? You know, or what is your will, Lord? Should I go here or should I go there? Should I do this or should I do that? These are the two choices, Lord. But what is your will, please? You know? <laughs> Ephesians 1.9. Flip back to the beginning. I want to be in Ephesians, and you can also, I'm going to go over to 1 Timothy. They're all in the same vicinity. Maybe not for you, Michael. I apologize if you don't have 1 Timothy over there. But Ephesians 1.9 says this. It says, He has made known to us the mystery of his will. Well, thank goodness. Which one do I buy? Um, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Messiah as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So that's his will, unrevealed. He wants to gather things to him. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the, in the sight of God, our Savior. And here's the part we're getting to. Who desires... Now, just so you know, that word desires, when you see desires, um, same as will, it's the, same, it's the same word as will. It talks about God's desire. So it is, it's not so much a, you know, a decision kind of thing. It's what, God, what pleases God, what his desire is. So it says, the, what, that, that is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humanity, Messiah Yeshua, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all this was attested when? At the right time. Guess what word that is? Same word. Things happen at the right time. So desire equals his will. The right time is that, is that, that kairos word. In other words, God has a will, okay? He has a will. We're always looking for his will for us, but the truth is our text doesn't say, find out what God's will for you is. He says, find out the will of God, you know? He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The point is, what's the big picture here? Don't do all these things in the world. What's the big picture? Walk carefully. Don't forget the big picture. The big picture is his will. And again, what is his will? It says it right here. It says that all human beings should be saved. His will is that everyone needs to be rescued. Everyone needs to be liberated from the spinning wheel of you know, whatever it might be, whether it's trying to do things right, whether it's trying to you know, handle our time correctly, our clock time, whatever it is. That's what his will is. And when does that happen? That's God's will. When does that happen? He said, at the right time. Well, when is it? I, got, I want to like to schedule that in my calendar. When, when's that going to be? I'll make sure, it's, make sure it's free, you know? For many of us, that right time, uh, in terms of knowing the Lord and meeting Yeshua, that's happened. You know, that right time has come. That was an opportunity that we took or that came our way that, that happened. That right time has, has come when you came to, to the knowledge of the truth, that it, of what it says there, that there's one God, one mediator between God and you, Yeshua the Messiah. In others of you, not like a clock when a time has passed, others of you, that opportunity just hasn't come yet. There's kairos moments for each of us. You know, for others who, who haven't made that decision yet, maybe that's uh, tomorrow, maybe that's today, maybe that's next month, maybe that's next year. But that's what time is all about, the right time. It's not about the progression, but God's appointed time. 
you know, in the past, uh, I've I've told people, oh, you know, you're married. Yeah, how long have you been married? Well, I was married, you know, for since 2004. I was a little older when I got married. You know, I kind of start making those things. I talk about it that way. Like I was a little older. You know, I had kids a little bit older than most people. In other words, I'm comparing everything to the to the Chronos. You know, like as if that's the that's the prop that was the proper time. But you know, when Jessica finally asked me to marry her, that that was the right time. You know, and if I would have just if I would have just said yes to her back then, when she was really just all, every day, will you marry? It would have been much better. I could have got married younger. Y'all are laughing. You know, I asked her to marry me. So, but still, that's right. When she said to do it, I did it. <laughs> but the point is, you know, I didn't miss out on something according to the world standards. Like I should have should have been earlier, but I didn't. I missed that. I didn't use my time properly. No, there was a, a Kairos moment. You know, um, it happened as it should have happened, right? It happened at the right time. Like Chaim said last week, you know, uh, God's not slow. Things don't happen according to our savviness, our wisdom, our strength. You know, Second Peter 3.9, he said, The Lord's not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness. And boy, if we think about how we think of slowness, it's amazing. I clicked on, my, on Mozilla Firefox. Why did it open? It's like taking four seconds here. I mean, this is crazy, you know? So, uh, yeah, God's not uh, slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. There's a kairos moment for, for all of us, and he's not slow in any of that promise. Romans 5, 6 says that for while we were still weak, at the right time, again, kairos, Messiah died for the ungodly at the right time not according to kind of how we can put things together and how well we can plan, plan everything. So here's a question. Again, I kind of touched on it before. But in your life, in your walk, okay, as you live your life out, as you are walking, do you seek truly, do you truly seek to know God's will or do you just simply ask him to help you with your decisions? Decisions that probably you've already, you know, you're already pretty comfortable with either of the outcomes that you're presenting to him. Or are you really asking him for his will no matter what? Uh, that might mean for you. And that's, but that's really what God tells us, not just here in Ephesians, but I think pretty clearly. This is really what he tells us uh, being wise is all about. Being wise is all about knowing the right time and knowing the will of God. It's an important thing. So instead of us thinking, it's just so lofty, I can't figure it out, the truth is, most likely when we're struggling with, what is God's will for this situation? The truth is, is you're in a bind and your decision's difficult and you know, it's not that you don't know God's will, that he desires you to be saved, that, he, that he's told you the things about what he's done, Yeshua's came and died and rose again, you believe all that stuff. That's really not the issue, but that's what God's will is. God's will is that people would know that. And God's will that you would turn and, and live a new life based on that. You know, it's not, it's not about these other things, about these, these decisions that we have, you know. But we have a choice as we go about our lives, as we walk. We can, we can make decisions and sincerely pray for God's help in those decisions. Not a bad thing, don't hear me wrong there, but typically... Again, that's on our terms and on our framework, things that we've already laid out. Or we can pray to know and to understand what he's doing and what his desires and purposes are and then seek to get into the flow of, of that, get into those kairos moments, you know, those opportunities. And so I'd like to, I'd like to uh, just refocus on those main points because maybe I've, I've gone a bit around, around here. Um, but if you read Paul, that's kind of how he does, you know, if you have to, if you ever go to talk to somebody who had to study him in Greek and you have to draw out his sentences and the logic thought. It's like, you know, this way, that way. And the words, does the sentence end yet? No, it kept going. So 
let me kind of re- refocus kind of what I think he's talking about here and what I think God has for us today. Number one, it's important um, how we walk out our spiritual lives with God. And it's important that we, that we walk carefully. We consider walking carefully. That's part of wisdom, being careful how we walk in his wisdom, forgetting what's been behind, not getting sucked into the, the things that, that bombard us every day with what the world says we're supposed to do. And then a big one is walking in view of his time, not thinking about what time is it, 1210, I got it, were we going to lunch later? What, you know, that's, that's time, but that's not God's time. When you read time in the Bible, most likely, you can look at the words. If you have a question, let me know, but a lot of times the, the words for time are going to be one of those two words. And you'll be, if it doesn't really seem really clear that it's just the passing of time, it's probably this other time, this other time of opportunity time or God's appointed times in Hebrew. That's the, like the, 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 uh, the festivals and things we celebrate are God's appointed times. Same idea. So walking carefully in his wisdom, in view of time, and keeping in mind his will. Keeping in mind his will. God's wisdom, again, remembering what we know, what we've learned about him, not allowing ourselves to get pulled into the current of the world. That requires us to walk carefully. Before you know it, you can step on a Lego, you can be a Lego. God's time's not like our time. It's not linear, but moments, opportunities. And God's will, his desire, his desire that all human beings should or would come to know him, to be rescued from the trespasses, to be rescued from their efforts, to live by their own strength, their own desires. So as we enter this new year, again, I want to encourage, us, encourage you not to seek to, to make better use of your clock time necessarily. Certainly do that. There is a lot that talks, that's talked about in the Bible that way in terms of, of being good stewards. But seek to take advantage of, of his opportunities with his wisdom, not with the bargains that you necessarily see out there. In his time, knowing that he, he desires... Uh, he desires the best for you. He desires that you become part of, of his desire, his will, which is drawing others to him. So ask him. Ask him what ways you might be ignoring, ignoring those opportunities, uh, ways to get involved with what he's doing, ways in which you're simply asking him maybe to do what, what you want to do instead of asking him to show you opportunities um, in ways that, you know, things that he, wa- you wa- he wants you to take advantage of. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word as always, and we thank you for, for sharing with us everything we need to know about becoming wise, not by the world's standards, but, but by your standards. We pray, Lord, today that your plans and your purposes and your opportunities would come into focus for us today, Lord. Would come into focus and, and just we would be able to seize those opportunities with, with confidence that these are the things that are according to your timetable, not to ours, Lord. Pray that you would turn our thinking around in, in, in that way. If there are things that we've, we've been considering wrongly, we've seen as hindrances or whatever, Lord, we pray that you would show us how some things that maybe we thought are, are, are roadblocks are actually obstacles, I mean, uh, actually opportunities, Lord, that you want us to take. So we pray that you would help us to pursue those things that are your will and not ours. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.